0: How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 15 of the Locked On Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this week, it is legitimately every day. We're doing Monday through Friday, five episodes this week. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and uh, yeah, we're doing five episodes, so get excited. Also this week, we're going to be talking about potential breakout players, and these are all A's players, so it's going to be all A's baseball, it's going to have impacts on your fantasy teams. And, uh, you know, more importantly, the 2020 Oakland Athletics, hopefully. So, we're going to go into five players that I have an eye on. Some of them are going to be obvious. uh, But, you know, screw it. We're going to talk about some fun players and we're going to have a fun time this week. So, for the whole week, we're going to be doing two segments uh, in each episode. So, one segment will be the breakout players, the other one will be, you know, news that's happened around the league or with the A's or something like that. So, we'll get into that in the second part of this episode. But, you know, the first part's, Going to be the good stuff, obviously, the green and gold stuff. Uh, so today's breakout player is none other than Jesus Luzardo. He was acquired in the uh, Sean Doolittle deal, you know, a couple years back. And, uh, you know, him and Sheldon Noisy and obviously Blake and who's done pretty well for, uh, you know, Ryan Madsen and Sean Doolittle. I think that the trade worked out well for the for the Nationals, but it's about to start really paying off for the A's, too. Uh, Luzardo had Tommy John surgery, so we haven't seen him a lot in the minor leagues since he's become an Oakland Athletic. But, uh, you know, he made his major league debut last year. He pitched 12 innings with the A's, pitched a uh, few innings in the playoffs, and was superb. He shut down the Rays. Um, so, yeah, there's plenty to get excited about when it comes to Jesus Luzardo. MLB Pipeline has him as the number 18 prospect in baseball, Baseball Prospectus has him at number 9. So, There's lots of stuff right there. Uh, He's got the pedigree. People are excited about him. Uh, Pipeline has some stuff that I'll read about him later. But uh, let's get into the projections for Jesus Luzardo right now. Um, Over on Fangraphs, their steamer projections have him for a K per 9 rate of 9.18, with a walk rate per 9 of 3.05, and a projected ERA of 3.97. That. Is I, so I threw that over into uh, the play index over at Baseball Reference. And that's roughly equal to Cole, Cole Hamels' uh, 2019 season. So, you know, not like a stellar season, but, you know, he, he, that was a rebound season for Cole Hamels. It, it wasn't, you know, Texas Rangers' Cole Hamels. It was like a decent Cole Hamels. Not quite Phillies' Cole Hamels, but, you know, if Lazardo had a Cole Hamill season in his rookie year, that's Not bad, you know, and especially with the balls being juiced last year, that's probably going into uh, some of the projections and all that. So, if the balls aren't juiced or they're regular baseballs, then you could see that ERA drop a little bit, you know, just right there, just off the baseballs. Or he could be highlights out in the top of the rotation starter, which is what people think that he might be. So, there's also that there's plenty of room for improvement with uh Jesus Uzardo, but. The thing that I like about him is he has a lot of control with his pitches, and he has, you know, swing and miss stuff. So those are things that I look for in pitchers, and if he's not going to be walking, guys, he's not going to be getting himself into trouble, which is awesome. And I know that it was only 12 innings, but uh, in his 12 innings in the majors last year, he had a .667 whip, which is uh, walks and hits divided by innings pitched. It's basically how crowded do the bases get. Anything under 1 is fantastic. Um, 1.2 is around league average, so it was almost half of league average. It's obviously going to go a little bit higher than that. Um, That'll probably be closer to 1.1 according to where he was at in the minors. Okay, so I got some more numbers for you guys. Uh, According to fan graphs, his fastball averaged 96.4 miles per hour. It could also be, so that means it's probably like 95 to 97, somewhere in that range. Uh, His curveball was a little bit hard at 82.8 miles per hour, and his changeup was 86.7, so about 10 miles an hour difference right there on his fastball. Uh, So then I went over to Brooks Baseball, which gives you uh, basically what pitches do compared to other pitchers, so like whiff rates if it's higher or lower than other pitchers, ground balls, fly balls, stuff like the effects that their pitches have, and it's a useful resource. Um, so, according to Brooks Baseball, Luzardo's curveball generates an extremely high number of swings and misses. Again, this is a very small sample size. It was 12 innings. But it's a sign of things to come, I think, because, you know, he's going to be blowing guys away all season, um, in my opinion. Um, so, lots of swings and misses with the curveball. They also show him with a 96 mile an hour sinker, um, which did not show up on fan graphs, but sometimes, you know, One site recognizes something as a sinker. The other one's like, oh, that's a curveball. Whatever. Um, So they had a 96-mile-an-hour sinker, which they deem borderline unfair. Hey, that's the name of this episode. It's going to be called borderline unfair. You already know that because you already clicked on the link. Whatever. Um, All right. So then going back into this, his fastball combines the borderline unfair and extremely high number of swings and misses. So it's an unfair pitch and its velocity coming from the left hand side, that gets a lot of swings and misses. I'm not seeing any downsides to his repertoire so far, but uh, let's keep going. His changeup, while thrown hard, it's about 10 miles an hour softer than his fastball, which I think you usually want to get like 12 to 15 if you can, but a lot of pitchers have 10 miles an hour difference. It's fine. They did also say that his changeup induces a lot of ground balls if they can touch it. Uh, it strikes a lot of guys out too, is what I'm saying. Um so it's his changeup gets ground ball strikeouts. It's a universal pitch. It's solid. And he doesn't really overuse any of those. It was I think Fangraphs which didn't have the sinker on there, but still uh it had his fastball a little bit under 50% usage and then his curveball was coming in at 31% and then his changeup was at 21, I believe. Um somewhere in those vicinities. Um so yeah, he uses utilizes all three or four pitches and He's a pretty solid pitcher, so that's what we have to look forward to from him. So I just want to end this little breakout segment with something from a MLB pipeline that caught my eye, and it's just a quick little scouting report on uh, Jesus Luzardo. Quote, some see a little Johan Santana in him, and he's ready to start fulfilling his potential as a frontline starter right now. Hey, you know when right now is? 2020, and let's go A's. Today on the Fantasy Baseball Minute, presented by League Commission, we're going to be talking about Jesus Luzardo, starting pitcher for the Oakland A's. Luzardo showed what he could do on the mound last season, and I think that in 2020, he's going to really hit that next step and start establishing himself as one of the best, better pitchers in Major League Baseball. And in a couple of years, he'll be the best pitcher, obviously. So... uh if you're a fantasy baseball player, you probably want to start owning shares of him as soon as you can, because this is going to be the last season you can get him at any sort of a discount before everybody knows who the hell he is. Uh, if you're looking for a decent strikeout rate, he's probably he's on track for uh, nine strikeouts per nine innings, according to Fangraphs. Um, that's his projection. You got three walks per nine innings, according to Fangraphs as well. And across all of his minor league innings, he had a 1.037 whip. So he he's not going to hurt you in any of these categories. He's on a good team, so there there's wins if you need those. He'll probably, eh. If you have quality starts in your league, maybe, I don't know. The, the A's are, they, they tinker with stuff sometimes. So if, he's, if you're looking for just quality starts, go on the waiver wire. If you're looking for somebody who's going to win you your league, get Jesus Lazardo. So if you're playing for just a 2020 season, Fantasy Pros has him ranked as the 146th player on their draft board, which is about uh, round 12 in a 12-team league. Uh, CBS has him 68th in Dynasty rankings, and The Athletic for 2020 has him as the 46th best starting pitcher option. He has more upside than the guys that he's surrounded by, though. So put a star by him and maybe move him up by a few picks if you want to. Uh, you heard it from me guy who's never won a fantasy baseball league, that you should do that. So, be be wary. What are you doing for the game? That's a universal question. Whether the casual follower, the tweets everything, the beginner, the diehard, the stat nerd, the smack talker, the appetizer guy, the couldn't care less, or the makes everything into a competition person. We all have our place in the sports world. The same personalities apply to fantasy sports, and League Commish exists to ensure your fantasy sports experience is the best one for you. We match managers to leagues as we lay the foundation for your new league. It's as easy as signing up with your preferences, getting matched, and approved of that match before any commitment on your end. Sign up with League Commish by February 29th and receive 15% off by entering in the code LOCKEDON, In the Referred By section of the sign-up form, the first 25 people to sign up using our code receive their first match free. What are you doing for the game? Find your next fantasy sports league at leaguecommish.com. Okay, so over the weekend, 2020 became officially drunk. Uh, The A's and Giants made a trade, which was their first in 29 years. Um, And then after that, we found out that the A's traded away money so it doesn't get any stranger than this folks and then there's a bunch of other stuff with you know the Astros but uh the A's traded money for a player with the Giants and I know that that would sound uh, ridiculous like three years ago but now Farhan Zaidi former front office guy for the A's uh is their GM and it or president of baseball operations and uh you know makes it a little bit easier because he's familiar with the A's so uh What did the A's get in this deal? They got a 30-year-old right-handed reliever uh, by the name of Birch Smith. Uh, There's not a lot of good stuff to say about his major league career so far, but uh, I mean, if if you're looking for the silver lining, I guess, in 8.2 winnings with the Giants last year, he had a 2.08 ERA with a 321 FIP. Uh, His whip did not lead me to believe there's a lot of hope. He had a 1.615 whip. Uh, so basically, lots of got a lot of guys on base. He let them score runs. And uh, that's not great for a relief pitcher. Uh, his strikeout rates have never been great. He may top out at around eight strikeouts per nine, but he had like six with the Giants last year and, you know, small sample size. And he walked four batters per nine. So that's not a ratio that you like to see. Um... So, he's not a big strikeout guy, and he has problems with the control, but, I mean, we'll see what the A's can do. He, he, They they love uh, reclamation projects, so they will give him a shot. Uh, to make room for him on the 40-man roster, they moved Daniel Mangdon over to the 60-day IL, and so he's on the 40-man roster. If, you know, he doesn't turn things around in 60 days, then uh, he'll probably be DFA just like he was from the Giants, and maybe he'll get traded somewhere else, or maybe they'll just... You know, keep him in the minors, because who's going to claim him? But the big news from the weekend, and so many things happened that I don't have notes. I'm going to riff off the top of my head and see what I remember. I'll probably miss a bunch, but there's going to be a rant in here somewhere. Uh, On Friday, the Astros held their I'm Sorry press conference, which was terrible. It made the situation much worse. Uh, Alex Brigman and Jose Altuve didn't read apologies, but they sounded red and... Not from the heart at all. Uh, Literally nobody bought their apologies. So I guess I was wrong on that front. Um, So after his fans are rallying around, they're like, oh, they said they're sorry. What else do you guys want? And everybody else is like, did they though? Um, So there's that. The owner, Jim Crane, was contradicting himself left and right. Um, they, They all sound like politicians out there where they're just double speaking and all that stuff. So that happened, and then players were commenting on that press conference on Friday. Cody Bellinger said that Jose Altuve robbed Aaron Judge of the AL MVP in 2017 and the Dodgers have a World Series ring. And then Carlos Correa got all fired up and was looking into the camera on Saturday and was like, how dare you insult Jose Altuve? He didn't want anybody banging on trash cans. Look at the evidence. But uh, apparently... He got some bangs out of that trash can, whereas Tony Kemp, who is literally uh, not of the esteem of Jose Altuve, got actually zero bangs out of a trash can. He played much less that season, but still, apparently, he could stop the banging on the trash can, but Jose Altuve couldn't? Okay, cool. Sounds like a good story there, bro. And in the Ken Rosenthal piece with Carlos Correa on the athletic, uh, Correa would be like, the commissioner's report said, also this freaking commissioner's report, they keep hiding behind it, and I hate it, because it didn't say anything, and the commissioner of baseball, which we'll get into in a second, is like, no, we couldn't punish anybody, and blah, 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 this is the report, and it they're going to be suffering their own consequences. I'll get into that in a sec. Anyways, so is hiding behind this report, which is crap, and he's claiming that the report says that the Astros only cheated in 2017 and never cheated after that. And then, in the article, Ken Rosenthal's like, actually, the report said that you guys cheated in 2018 for a little bit too, but we're like, yeah, this isn't working, so whatever. And he's like, yeah, but anyways, Jose Altuve. And so, he's trying to, you know, come out and make themselves the victims and challenging Mike Fires to basically a fist fight of words. Um, He was like, no, no, you, you ask Mike Fires if Jose Altuve cheated, he'll tell you the same, blah, blah, blah. And... It was a ridiculous interview. My favorite part, and Twitter's favorite part of this entire thing, was him claiming that with the buzzers, I'm sure you've heard the news, or the theory, that uh, after Altuve hit the home run to send them into the World Series, he was clutching his jersey, and everybody's like, oh, it's because he was wearing a buzzer, and he didn't want people to know that he had a buzzer on. And Altuve, after the game, said that, no, no, my wife didn't want my jersey ripped off, so I was trying to appease her. And Carlos Correa... For whatever, it's worth corroborated that story, but, you know, thick as thieves. Uh, literally thieves who stole a world series by cheating. But, you know, thieves. Um, and he was saying how uh, Altuve's wife had told his wife that he didn't like it when earlier in the season he had ripped off his jersey. So they were like, oh, no, we can't do that anymore. And he's like, oh, and then also, Jose doesn't want me to tell you guys this, but I'm going to say it anyway. He had a really bad-looking tattoo on his collarbone that he didn't want people to see. So, I mean, that seems like it could be easily proven or disproven. Um, Instagram sleuths have been all over this, and like, "Oh, no, see, so look at this picture!" But I think that his last picture was like from July of 2019, so doesn't quite fit the time frame. I really just think that it'd be funny if uh, this was a lie. And Carlos Correa has just subjected Jose Altuve to just showering with his shirt on for like the rest of his career <laughs> because he doesn't have this ridiculous tattoo. Um, so that was all that. And then the commissioner started talking and oh my God, this guy, he hates baseball. Like legitimately before this weekend, I was like, eh, he's fine. He's just trying, you know, improve the game a little ways and do some stuff. I think that he does hate baseball because he called the Commissioner's Trophy, you know, the World Series trophy, just a piece of metal. It's fine. Uh, no, it has, not, I mean, it does have his name on it. Um, he should take more pride in the game that he is ruining. On Sunday night, Jason Stark tweeted out uh, that the Rob Manfred answer on Buzzers was revealing in several ways. And the first one got me, and Led to a tweet. You can follow us on Locked On A's on Twitter. It's been fire. Um, the first one was MLB was aware of this before the investigation. Uh, how did being aware of cheating not lead to an investigation in the first place, Mister Commissioner? That's ridiculous. You got to let Mike Fires take the blame for this one. Stand up and do something about you know policing your own game. And then there's this whole memorandum that's going to go around to all the Major League front offices uh, telling, basically, the front offices that if their players retaliate, they're going to get suspended, which is also ridiculous because the players that retaliate are going to get more of a suspension than any of the Astros player that won a World Series, stole a World Series, cheated to get a World Series. Uh, Okay, I'm I'm failing to see any of the logic here. And, uh, I mean... As we saw in the commissioner's report, if the front office does not communicate that there will be punishment or what the rules are, then uh, you can't punish the players, right? So if the front offices don't tell their players that they'll be suspended, then you can't suspend them. It's a fun little cycle that we've got ourselves in because the leadership at the top is terrible. And then the last thing that I'll say about this issue from the weekend is that uh, Rob Manfred was saying that the punishment on the road for the Astros is going to be far worse than anything he could have done. Uh, he said that he would have gotten tied up in appeals for the players because the the players union would have gotten them out of any suspensions, and so then there wouldn't have been any penalties at all. Uh, you, you can try suspending them anyways, that's all. But since the ball has been shifted into our court as road fans for the Astros, uh, what do you think we should do? Should we... Come up with some chants? Should we have signs? Should we just bang a bunch of damn trash cans? Uh, I want to hear creative suggestions and we will promote the crap out of that on our social media pages, which are Locked On A's on Twitter. I'm at ByJasonB. You can follow us both there. You can email them to me, along with mailbag questions, at LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Uh, let's get something going because I want to make the Astros pay. Um, yeah, so that's it for this week or this episode, I will talk at you tomorrow. Uh, And yeah, we'll have another breakout player for you guys. We'll talk some more fantasy baseball and uh, where you should draft them. And I'll give you some terrible advice. It'll be fun. So go out there and celebrate good times, Oakland. I will talk with you guys tomorrow.